Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. Today's podcast is going to feature some listener questions as we open up the mailbag. And we got some really good ones on the docket today. We're going to be talking about uh, some debt conversations on the program today. We've got another one about uh, working with different financial advisors and how that relationship kind of works. And the wife sort of feels a little, you know, left out of the process. That'll be interesting. Uh, we've got another good one about Social Security and seven different IRAs. Yes. And uh, <laughs> does that qualify as diversification? Lots of good stuff on the program today. David, good to be with you. What's going on in your world? Well, let's see. I'm uh, be driving down to Dallas this weekend to hang out with my, not just to hang out with my grandsons, but my wife and I and our uh, oldest daughter and her husband were throwing a wedding shower Ooh. for one of my favorite nephews. And uh, so that's going to be Saturday in almost 100 degree heat oh, wow. in Dallas, but it'll be fun. We'll have a that, nice time. That'll still be, uh, just make the cake and ice cream taste that much better, probably, right? <laughs> well, and not to, not to disturb any of my readers who, who don't occasionally enjoy an alcoholic beverage, but the beer, the cold beer is going to taste a little bit better, mm-hmm. too. I like to complain about the heat, but it does make the things that relieve the heat just that much better, <laughs> doesn't it? Whether it be swimming in the pool or... Uh, having a nice cold drink or some ice cream or one of those fun things that we used to do as a kid, right? The little push-up pops or the, uh, you know, the, you cut the scissors off or you rip them off with your oh, teeth. Yeah. The, the we got those pops. in our freezer right now. Yep. Yep, we do too. And, with grandsons, uh, you got to have that stuff just hanging around. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hey, we don't have kids, David, and we've got them in our fridge, <laughs> <laughs> our freezer. <laughs> so any age can enjoy a little sugary cold treat on a hot day. So enjoy that, and uh, happy Mother's Day out there to all of those who might be listening to this show uh, shortly after its release, as uh, we are recording this leading up into Mother's Day. And so hope everybody gets some good time with the family and loved ones. Uh, well, let's dive into the questions here, David. And if you want to submit one to be featured on a future show, you can always email David at ddickens at kcfa.com. All right, so Jack is up first. Jack says, I'm retiring in three years, and I have almost a million in my 401k, but I also have about 60000 in consumer debt between credit cards and car loans. Is it worth taking money out of the 401k now while I'm still working to get the debt paid off? So I hesitated using this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Jack, I think that is, that is shocking to me that you got 60 grand of consumer debt and you're three years away from retirement. So the biggest stress that I see in my clients that are already retired is those who have debt in retirement. And we've talked about good debt and bad debt. Mortgage debt, in my view, is most times fine debt. Automobile debt, not so good. And consumer debt is like rust for your plan. So, Jack, it is, I don't, I don't know you. I don't know your situation. But having 60 grand of consumer debt three years before retirement is silly. So here's what, here's what I think you should do about that. Car loan, eh, it's probably okay unless you just bought an $80,000 car and put 20000 down in it. And so this is all consumer debt. Uh, your car loan is probably fine unless you overspent for your car. If that's, but how much of this is credit card debt? There's really not much of a good reason to have credit card debt 
when you're three years out and you have a million dollar 401k. So something doesn't make sense to me. And so here's what I do. First of all, I would not take money out of your 401k now while you're working because that's going to be a taxable transaction and you're going to be taxed on, on those dollars at your highest marginal tax bracket, which is probably, it's probably not 10 or 12%. It's probably 22 or 24%. So I would not do that, but I would stop contributing. I'm assuming that you're contributing to that 401k. So whatever you're putting into that above your company match, I'd stop doing that and I'd put that against my credit card debt. I would look for ways to cut my spending now to get rid of the credit card debt. And I'd pay that stuff off in the next three months, six months, nine months, as fast as you can pay that credit card debt off. Even if you happen to be rolling these zero interest card loans, which cost you three or four or 5% up front. Anyway, the credit card debt has to go away before you retire. And you don't want to take it out of your 401k, but you can certainly reduce your contributions. Make sure though, if your company offers a match, you're getting all of that match and your excess contributions go toward reducing this credit card debt. Good luck, Jack. Congrats on your 401k, not so much about your credit card debt. So you got to reconcile those two sooner rather than later. It's sort of like you're on a yacht, Jack, and there's a, there's a hole in the yacht. And it's not going to sink you, but it's totally unnecessary for it to not be fixed and and to, to take care of and, and fix the problem. Like it's it's just going to keep flooding the lower compartment and getting like, <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent would be on a yacht. It's it's getting the guest bedroom carpet wet all the time. And you're constantly having to then re- pay money to replace that carpet in the guest bedroom of the yacht because that hole keeps causing water to come in there and damaging the carpet. It's just wasted, wasted, lost money that if you just took the effort to eliminate the hole, fix it, you'd be in good shape. Is that kind of a good visual? That's a beautiful analogy. I love it. I love it. Good. Um, So, yeah, that's what this sounds like to me, Jack. So get in there. Get your elbows dirty. Clean up that credit card debt at least and uh, be in better shape there for your retirement. Good question, though. Thanks for asking that one. If you've got questions for David, again, you can email him at ddickens at kcfa.com. If you ever want more information about David and the team, you can go to coveryourassetskc.com or just check the show notes of our program for ways to get in touch and for more information. Janice has our next question. Janice says, my husband and I have met with a couple different financial advisors, and both of them seem like they only want to talk to him like I'm just some kind of bystander. What do I need to do to show that I'm an important part of the conversation, too? <laughs> well, first of all, Janice, if those are your two choices, I would keep shopping <laughs> if, you're, if you're shopping for an advisor. I mean, in, in Advisor School 101, what you realize is men do most of the talking, but the, the wives make the decision. Statistically, Janice, you are eventually going to be this person's widowed client. So if you don't like this person and you're going to start building a relationship, you really need to find somebody that you, that you like and that you trust with your money. Secondly, Janice, now this is a little bit maybe of an admonishment to you. Uh, I regularly meet with couples and very often, almost always, one partner says, oh, you know, he, he's the financial one. Or sometimes, uh, she's the financial one. And so if you've been known to say that, 
then I'd encourage you to get more involved. Maybe um, your husband gets the attention from the financial advisor because he's asking all the good questions. Maybe questions you brought up in the car on the way over, but he decided to ask them. So I'd, I'd encourage you to really take ownership of your financial situation. Ask some really good questions. The one question that should always be forefront in your mind in these types of meetings is, or before these types of meetings is this, if you were widowed next month, what do you wish you had asked today? So don't be that person who is suddenly single, suddenly widowed and go, oh my gosh, I wish I knew more about my finances. Janice, I'm not saying that's you, but I see that a lot and it's not necessarily a gender thing. Uh, it can be, I have client couples where the male is totally disconnected. Uh, so. I just encourage you to make sure that you are connected, that you're plugged into your financial situation, and then find an advisor who understands you guys as a couple. It's a great, uh, great way to put it, David. And I love the fact that it's not uh, gender specific because every relationship has its own dynamics, right? Often one will communicate better than the other or be more talkative or louder, or one will manage the decision making in a certain area of the household over the other. And sometimes you can get those blinders on and get a little too locked into where that other person's being ignored. Just because you're not heading up the decision-making in a particular area doesn't mean your opinion and your influence doesn't matter. And so it's uh, awesome that you as an advisor help recognize that and are cognizant of it. And it sounds like you're on the lookout for it when you meet with couples, David. Like you're, you're trying to be aware of making sure when you're dealing with a couple that both get included in the process. Absolutely, because just because somebody is silent doesn't mean they don't have any opinions, they don't have any questions, or they don't have any sway in the decisions that are getting ready to be made. So if somebody's a little too quiet... I'll always ask an open-ended question. So in this case, Janice, do you agree with that? Or is that the way you feel about this? And then shut up and listen. And it's amazing what people will say when they're asked that kind of question. It, you can draw them out. And most times you get a slightly different twist on what you just heard. Very good. Great question. Thanks again for that one, Janice. Let's move over to Tony. Tony's got a question about Social Security. He says, I started taking my Social Security as soon as I turned 62, which was two years ago. Was that a mistake? Should I have waited? So, Tony, this is a, one of those questions where we don't have enough information. You may very well have made the perfect decision. So, so generally speaking, a little bit of, of context, you can start taking it at 62. 67 or so is probably Tony's full retirement age, and 70 is the point at which it doesn't get any better by waiting any longer. So 62, 67, and 70. Was it a mistake? Well, it depends. If you need the money now, then it was very likely not a mistake. Uh, do you think you're going to die in your 60s or 70s? Well, then it's probably not a mistake to have taken it early. Social Security is built to be actuarially sound. In other words, if you die at about 80 or 81, it doesn't matter whether you started early or late, you get the same amount of dollars over that period of time. If you live into your mid-80s or 90s, well, you wished from a, from a money standpoint, from a total benefits received standpoint, well, you wished you'd waited longer. But if you need the money, then you didn't do a bad thing. Here's a quickie little example. Let's say that, um, so at, at 62, you get about 70% of the money 
that you would get if you had waited until your full retirement age. So uh, in the example I'm getting ready to draw, let's say you were going to get 2,500 bucks a month, 30 grand a year, if you waited till 67 years old. If you start early, that 2,500 bucks is only 1,750 bucks. So 21,000 a year instead of 30 grand a year. So that's a big difference. But by the time you get to age 67, if you had started at age 62, you, you would have already received 105 grand. So you've got a head start on the person who waits. If you happen to die at 67 or 68 or 69 or 70, well, that 105 grand is money you would have never gotten out of the program. So the break even, if we just knew when each of us was going to die, then we could do a very easy little break even to say, well, I should start getting Social Security at age 64 and four months or whatever it is. But we don't know when we're going to die, so we're making a guess. In that same example, Tony, at 70, if you'd have waited till 70, instead of the uh, 2500 bucks a month you get at full retirement age, you'd be getting 3125 or so dollars. So there's a big difference between taking it early, taking it at your full retirement age, and waiting. But if you met any of those two early criterias, you need the money, or you think you might die before, let's call it, your late 70s, you probably made the right decision. Helpful, David, and another great question. Thank you for sending that one in to us, Tony. And uh, yeah, Social Security, we want to get that decision right. Even if it's not the most important retirement planning decision you're ever going to make, still a big piece of the puzzle. And Yeah, uh, for, for the vast majority it. of Americans, it's a big, big piece of their puzzle because the, yeah. fa- uh, you know, the majority of Americans have either no or very little right. retirement savings. Now, the listeners to this podcast typically don't fall into that group. So you do have choices to make, and you just want to make sure that it fits your family situation and your the situation that you've created for yourself with the amount of assets you've accumulated. It is a decision that needs to be actively made. And, I mean, it's one of the few things you're going to have in your retirement plan that actually has a cost of living increase associated with it. So it is an important decision regardless of where you are on the spectrum. But it's a super important piece of a lot of Americans' retirement plans. Great points, David. All right, let's get to our last question here. This one is from AJ. AJ says, I have seven different IRAs, all at different investment companies. It's gotten to be a lot to keep up with, I can imagine, Uh, but I like (laughs) the idea of being diversified like this. Is this a good idea? I see this a lot with people that come in with their assets and they say, what do you think and what should I do? And it's the illusion of being diversified. So you have seven different IRAs, likely at seven different custodians. Let's say, I mean, the four common ones would be a Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, and TD Ameritrade. And if if we looked at each of those seven portfolios, we probably see an S&P 500 fund. We see a small cap growth fund. We probably see a large cap growth fund, maybe an international fund you're going to have dramatic overlap of the investments you have at each of those seven. So you don't, it's very unlikely, AJ, that you have any diversification going from one custodian to another. There's nothing unique about any of those custodians. They all do basically the exact same thing. And they have mutual funds and ETFs that effectively mirror each other. So you could have 
dramatic diversification, but have all your money at Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab or TD Ameritrade. It's what you have inside of those IRAs that creates the diversification, not diversification between various custodians. So, so one little splinter fact from what I just said is, let's say that you happen to own an annuity, some, some type of annuity inside of your IRA. That likely does require a separate custodian. So that would be a good reason to have a second or maybe a third custodian, but not for your marketable investments. And then the, the last point is, AJ, once you get to be 72 years old and you, are, you have required minimum distributions out of these accounts, well, you're going to have seven different balls to juggle when you're trying to figure out, do I have all of my required minimum distributions covered? And the penalty from the IRS for not taking a required distribution is a massive 50% penalty. So you'll have a built-in, a self-imposed complexity to your retirement plan that you do not need and that is not creating diversification. It's just creating headaches that you will realize as you go forward. So I'd encourage you to look at those seven, figure out how do I get that down to maybe one custodian with really good diversification inside of that custodian. And if you want an annuity or two, that would be a reason to have a second and maybe a third custodian. Good luck with that, AJ. But I'd encourage you to not enter retirement with seven different IRAs. Really good questions all throughout today's show. Man, I love it. Just clearing up misconceptions about, yeah, what does diversification really mean? And it can, you know, I there is diversification there. Like you are spread out between different companies, right? So like that's one angle of diversification, but not really what we're talking about when it comes to true investment diversification. But hey, you know, someone who's not investing for a living and figuring out all this financial stuff all the time can easily fall victim to a misconception like that, just like the social security question and wondering if you did the right decision there. But also you pointed out something that was great during Tony's uh, question. And honestly, this would apply to anything we ever talk about here on this show. But I think it's a great thing to highlight for a quick moment to end this week. If you're listening to this show, you very might well be in a <laughs> in a very different category than the average person. And so much of what you might see on the internet or hear on the news is geared toward the average person, or maybe it's a nationwide takeaway. Whereas your locale, you know, your your region, your area, your city might put you in a different perspective. How much money you have saved for retirement could totally change the type of advice that you should follow. So that context is always really, really important to follow in any question that we talk about. And David, I feel like today's questions kind of struck at the heart of that a little bit of remembering to keep that in mind. Yeah, I think so too. And it, and it kind of takes me back to what we often, well, I've probably said this two or three times in the last year is that, um, and I didn't make this up, but people spend more time planning their vacations than they do their retirement. So most of our listeners have worked really hard or in the process of working hard and putting away significant amounts of money for their own retirement. So don't take anything for granted. Get some, if, you, if you're not a super good, don't be a casual do-it-yourselfer. Either be a really good do-it-yourselfer or get some help from somebody who does this all the time and hopefully on a fiduciary basis putting, putting your interests ahead of theirs. But there are, there are a lot of good ways to make a retirement work. But don't let, 
Don't let circumstances just happen to you. Take control of it, either as a super efficient do-it-yourselfer or get some really good help. Either way, retirement can be super cool. You can do lots of things that you've been looking forward to doing, uh, but don't let details fall through the cracks uh, because a lot of the details of retirement planning aren't obvious. You're not taught those things in school, and a lot of times you don't pick them up along the way. Great questions again from our listeners. Thanks for sending those in. If you want to submit a question to David, you can do that by emailing him at ddickens at kcfa.com. If you'd like to come in for a complete planning review, a full look at your situation and a review of where you stand right now in your retirement planning, what are the best ways to improve it going forward, uh, you can set that up by calling 913-317-1414 or go to coveryourassetskc.com and contact us through the website. And we'll put all that contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find. 913-317-1414 again is the number or coveryourassetskc.com. Thanks for tackling these questions with us, David. Enjoyed listening to these uh, listener questions and your responses. And on the next episode, we're going to turn it from the mailbag edition of the show to the statistics edition of the show, right? (laughs) We are. And um, I learned a long time ago, if you torture statistics long enough, They'll tell you anything that you want to hear. So we're going to unpack a few of those next week, and hopefully it'll be pretty interesting. There you go. That's fantastic. Uh, Can't wait for that. Come back and join us again on another edition of the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.